Thank you for tuning in to Trinity Baptist Temple's podcast. I'm Pastor Kyle Dinsmore, and I pray today's sermon is a blessing to you as you continue to seek the Lord and follow His will for your life. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us. God bless you. Well, last week we started this lesson about God's wisdom, and I love this. I love talking about God's wisdom. As I shared, it's something that I have been uh, praying for uh, since the moment that uh, God actually started pricking my heart about full-time ministry. Um, and I just started praying, God, I want your wisdom. I want, I want to know what you want me to do. And as I did surrender into ministry and, and realized what God had called me to do, um, pretty much every day since that time that I have, have surrendered my life into ministry, uh, I've been praying for God's knowledge, his understanding, and his wisdom of his word and of his ways. And I've tried to be very careful not to just say that as uh, a repetitive prayer, uh, just to have, you know, God give me your knowledge, wisdom, and understanding of your 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 word and of your ways, Um, because I know how desperate and how desperate, how desperate, desperately I need that in my life. And so um, I pray for that. I encourage you to pray for that. But uh, we we saw Jesus responding to these religious leaders that were pressing him. Uh, what authority he had to preach the gospel. Again, he was the gospel. The angels came bearing glad tidings of great joy. I mean, they were bearing the good news, which was Jesus Christ, come to this earth, Emmanuel, God with us. And so he was the good news, but his wisdom that he displayed as he was answering these religious leaders uh, was amazing. And again, we saw some very important things. And the point we saw was this, that God's wisdom is the only wisdom to rely on. The, the description that we get in Scripture of God's wisdom, or wisdom that descends from above, according to James, is that it's pure, it's peaceable, it's gentle, it's considerate of others, it's full of mercy, full of good fruits, and it's without partiality and without hypocrisy. And so when, when, when those things are abiding in our heart, those things are resonating in our minds, and those things are driving our actions, our attitudes, and our speech— then we can have pretty good confidence that we are operating not only in the the fruit of the Spirit, being led of the Spirit, but also demonstrating godly wisdom or wisdom that's from above. And so anytime that you're wondering, you know, how am I, what what is my action, what what is my decision? Is it in man's wisdom or is it in God's wisdom? God's wisdom is always going to have these these characteristics uh, permeating it and, and, and surrounding it. And so always make sure you have that. So in other words, let me give you a good example. You say, um, I have a decision to make concerning uh, this coworker of mine or this friend of mine or uh, th- my, my, uh, my spouse or this relationship, and you can't, it, it's not a peaceable thing. It's not, it, it's not a gentle thing. You feel spiteful or you feel like you're, you're, you're vindictive or, or something like that. Then you've got to understand that's not God's wisdom guiding you. Um, again, it has to have these characteristics Um, in it to be godly wisdom we saw how to get it some simple things but it's amazing the simple things that we forget sometimes right Uh, here's here's some of the simple things that we're supposed to do to get God's wisdom first of all ask for it isn't that amazing Jesus said you have not because you ask not and and I think sometimes maybe whether it's spiritual laziness or uh, maybe it is we feel unworthy or, or whatever, but sometimes we just simply don't ask God for things. Now, sometimes we ask God, ask Him uh, for a lot of things, and sometimes we ask Him for the wrong things or in the wrong way. 
because we want it for ourselves or, or it works out for our life. And, uh, and that's, that's what, what Scripture tells us as well. But sometimes we just need to ask for God's wisdom. In James chapter 1, it says that. It says that we're supposed to count it all joy when we fall into diverse temptations, knowing that these trials are going to bring about patience, which bring about a mature person. That's essentially the first few verses. And then it says this, If any man lack wisdom, in verse 5, let him ask of God who gives to all men liberally and abradeth not. In other words, if we lack wisdom, especially when we're going through the, the, the struggles of this life that are bringing us to a complete or mature person, we're supposed to ask God for wisdom, and he will give it to us. And he won't chastise us for it. He won't try to correct us because we asked him. That's what it says, and abradeth not. But he gives it to all men liberally. And so we're supposed to ask. We're also supposed to seek God's wisdom. That's important to understand because it's not just about asking, okay, God, I want to ask. The Bible says that we are to seek it, that we are to, to search for, for the wisdom that God offers alone as it was for hidden treasures, for, for, for amazing treasures that have no value, that they're far beyond the value of anything that we could even desire in this world is what the Bible says. And so we are to search for the wisdom of God. Of course, that's found in God's word. And then the third way that we are to get wisdom is by fearing God. It's kind of prerequisite. It's a precursor to the, fear of, uh, to the wisdom of God is fearing God, reverencing God, yielding ourselves in the presence of God and say, God, I need you. I need your wisdom. I trust you. I, I regard you and you alone to give the wisdom that comes from above. And we saw why we should have it. I think if every single one of us were to answer that question, why do I need God's wisdom, and someone were to tell you these things, it will give you discretion. In other words, it'll give you the, the, the right kind of gauge on whether to choose this or to choose that, whether this is right or this is wrong, discretion. Every single one of us would want that. I, I, I shared that, man, if I, could, if I could get up every day and there was a list of things that I was going to encounter, decisions that I needed to make, that were life-altering, that were family-altering, that were church-altering, I mean, eternal matters, or, or even down to the smallest things that were significant but, but small. And I had this list of do this, and this is what pleases God, but, and don't do this, this is what doesn't please God. I would love that list. I, I, that would be amazing. Get up, okay, you're going to run into this, you're going to have these things, you're going to have this, okay, do this and not that. Say this, don't say that. Act like this, don't act like that. That would be amazing. This master list every day. When the Bible tells us that we can have discretion, that's kind of that, that gauge, that, 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 that factor, that element that we need to choose what's right and choose what's wrong or, or to reject what's wrong. Um, and so it gives us discretion, discretion. It also gives us protection and deliverance. Every single one of us want that in our lives. Most of us pray for that every single day. God, protect us. God, protect my family. God, protect my kids. God, protect our church. We want protection. And wisdom, by the virtues that it gives to us, gives us protection or delivers us from uh, evil and, and bad. And then number three is blessings. And the blessings were, were numerous. We listed several of them last week. Uh, if you missed it, I encourage you to go back and listen to it. And uh, it's, it's so important. But again, we ask for God's blessings. God, give, give me health. God, uh, help me live so that I can honor you. Uh, God, bless my family. God, bless this. We want God to bless us in our life. And the Bible tells us that wisdom gives us those things. Adoniram Judson said this, No mind, no wisdom. Temporary mind, temporary wisdom. Eternal mind, eternal wisdom. We were talking in the new members class uh, this morning and, and shared it before and here that 
we live in a world, in even in, in the Christian world that we live in, uh, for us, our uh, immediate world, in a world that's driven by comfort. We want comfort. Every single one of us love that. We talked about that recently, how we want the perfect day every single day. I just want my life comfortable. If, if, I, if I could be comfortable in my health, if I could be comfortable with my relationship, if I could be comfortable with my kids, with my job, with everything, I, that would be the perfect life. We, we, we want that life of comfort. But nowhere in Scripture are we told that we are guaranteed that life of comfort here. But we live for it. And we lose focus in, in the midst of that, that drive, that desire to have a, this comfortable life. We lose the mindset of set your affection on things above, not on things of this earth. We begin to set our affection on things of this earth and begin to think about terms of what's going to make my life a little easier and more comfortable. There's nothing wrong with comfortable seats that you're sitting in. There's nothing wrong uh, with sitting and, and, and driving a vehicle. Uh, there's nothing wrong with having a home and, and, and a bed to sleep, and there's nothing wrong with those things. But to live for those things is the wrong mindset. It's wrong pursuit. And so when we, we look at Jesus Christ, who didn't even have a, a home to call his own, who didn't have a, a, a bed but a stone to lay his head on, we see that his whole purpose on this earth was eternal. And so in, in, in facing these religious leaders, the exhibition of this eternal wisdom was profound. And we see perfect wisdom coming out from our Lord Jesus Christ as he walked on this earth. We began to examine this response that he had to these religious leaders into this stressful situation that if any of us were put in this stressful situation, we'd think, man, I don't know how I'd react. I maybe want to tell those Pharisees that they were hypocrites and that they were this and that they were that and tell them how, how bad they were and how dare they challenge me. Maybe, maybe that's what we would want to do. But again, looking at his response, no doubt he had an eternal mind. No doubt he had this eternal godly wisdom as God himself. And seeing this, we have to understand that our drive to get or to have, possess, to use godly wisdom has to come from somewhere. It's not just some good idea about, so I, I, okay, godly wisdom, how, how will it, I don't really understand how that's going to benefit me. To, to possess godly wisdom and to use godly wisdom, there's got to be a drive to have it, and that's got to come from somewhere. And I believe the only way that we're going to have the right kind of drive or the right desire to have godly wisdom and use it rightly is when it comes from an understanding that that is the only wisdom, true wisdom, that's available on this earth. And it's the only wisdom that will truly help us on this earth. Again, if somebody were to come up to you and say, listen, I've got this book, and inside this book, it's got a list of all the decisions you will ever make in your whole life. Every day. Look, turn to this first page. Look, it's November 12, 2017. Today you're going to make you're going to face all these situations and have to make all these decisions. And here you go. Here's the here's the guide to making the best decisions. I think every single one of us would sign up for that book. I mean, I know I would. And that's the value found in the wisdom of God. It's the value found in the Word of God. But see, here's the problem. The reason why we, that's all appealing to us is because we're those creatures seeking comfort. We want it easy. Man, give me that book. 
give, it, give, me the, give me the short version of what I need to do today. Just give me the, I mean, let's not waste time. Let's not do any of that. Just tell me what I need to do, and I'll do it. But God says, listen, this is what I have for you that will guide you and help you in your life every single day is more valuable than anything you can desire on this earth. It's more valuable than silver and gold or rubies. Anything and everything is more than all of it compare, uh, uh, combined together. And so with that value, I'm not just going to just do it like this. You, you've got to ask for it. You've got to seek it. You've got to desire it to use it to honor me. And that's one of the things right there. I want God's wisdom because I want to use it to honor him. That's the key. Going back to my story in, in surrendering my life to the ministry, uh, the thing that I was praying about in, in, in sorting through um, with, with desperation every single day, all throughout the day, praying even as I was a, as a, at work and, and just desperately praying to God and, 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 and wanting to know, here was my thing. I don't want to mess it up. That I didn't want to make a decision that was driven by me or my lack of knowing direction of my life. I, I just didn't want to make a decision because it, it sounded like a good thing to do or because I didn't have any other uh, thought of, of what I was supposed to do in my life. I was, I was so adamant about not making a mistake in, in this process that I sought God and I sought God and I sought God and just continued to, to pour out. I wanted his discretion, his wisdom, even in, in that surrender, that, that answering the call. And again, every single one of us need to live our lives like that, to desire wisdom so that it glorifies God. I don't know about you, but it's those type of situations that can frustrate us or can sometimes confuse us. Those, those situations where the Bible doesn't say thou shalt not or those, those instances or those decisions we're supposed to make that it, uh, it doesn't say Thou art to blank. Man, if we just had a verse, thou shalt do this or thou shalt not do that, then it would be black and white. We'd have no questions, no problems on what we're supposed to do. But it's those, it's those decisions, it's those situations in our life that we say, I, I, I've searched the scripture. I, I don't see a verse that tells me to do this or not to do that. What do I do? What do I go from here? Those times it becomes amplified that we need God's wisdom. The God's wisdom comes through even the principles found in God's, God's word, not necessarily spelled out verse by verse, but throughout the whole counsel of God's word. Yes, we should seek godly wisdom, pastoral counsel, but we really need to understand that the wisdom that God has is available, and he does want to give it to us, and he does want us to use it if we'll use it to glorify him. So I want to pray this morning. We'll finish up this, this message by seeing the second and last point, and uh, hopefully we'll grab a little bit more of the importance of God's wisdom and, and why we need it. So let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you again for the opportunity we've had to worship you in song and in giving and also the, the blessings of fellowship and uh, teaching and, and just everything that we've had already this morning. And God, I pray that now that you would use me as a vessel, that you just breathe through me the words that you want. Uh, spoken, and that every single one of us, starting with me, 
would heed your word, would heed the message that you have for us, uh, that we would listen to the instruction of the Holy Spirit uh, as, you, as you teach us this morning. Uh, God, if there's someone here this morning that's lost, they've, they've, they've never come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, they've never surrendered their life completely to you. And I pray before they leave that they'll do that. They'll understand that's, that's the, the most important decision they'll ever make in this life of whether to choose you or to reject you. It's the difference between an eternity in heaven or an eternity in hell. And so, Lord, if there's someone here like that, I pray that they would come this morning to receive your gift of salvation freely. Lord, just move now, and we'll praise you for all you do. In Jesus' name, amen. Luke chapter 20, verse 9. Then began he to speak to the people this parable. A certain man planted a vineyard and led it forth to the husbandman. And he went to a far country for a long time. And at the season or at the right time, he sent a servant to the husbandman that they should give him of the fruit of the vineyard. But the husbandman beat him and sent him away empty. So very simple picture. Uh, a man plants a vineyard, puts some people over it. Then after a while, he sends a servant. The servant goes to get some fruit out of the vineyard that the, the owner had uh, planted. And the people who were there to take care of the vineyard beat that servant that the owner sent to them, and, he sent, and they sent him away empty. And again, he sent another servant. They beat him also and entreated him shamefully and sent him away empty. And again, he sent a third, and they wounded him also and cast him out. Then said the Lord of the vineyard, what shall I do? I will send my beloved son. It may be that they will, they will reverence him. They'll regard him when they see him. But when the husbandmen saw him, they reasoned among themselves, saying, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him, that the inheritance may be ours. So, again, very clear picture. Since three servants... All three servants are beaten, cast, cast out, sent away without any fruit of what the owner had charged them to take care of. And he finally sends his son, his heir. They say among themselves, look, this is the heir. If we beat him and we take hold of it ourselves, then we'll have the whole thing to ourselves. To do as we want to do, to run as we want to run. We'll have our own vineyard. We'll have our own kingdom. We'll have our own church. We'll have our own deal if the son is out of the way, if the heir is gone, we can do what we want to do in a way that pleases ourselves. That was the drive, the pride, the, 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 uh, the selfishness, the greed that they had. Again, that's been evident in the Pharisees and the Sadducees so far. So they cast him out of the vineyard and they killed him. Wherefore, what, what, therefore, shall the Lord of the vineyard do unto them, he asked. He shall come and destroy these husbandmen and shall give the vineyard to others. And when they heard it, they said, God forbid. And he beheld them and said, what is this then that is written? The stone which the builders rejected, the same is become the head of the corner. Whosoever shall fall upon that stone shall be broken, but on whomsoever it shall fall, it will grind him to powder. And the chief priests and the scribes, the same hour, sought to lay hands on him. And they feared the people because they perceived that he had spoken this parable against them. It's amazing that, again, Jesus, God in the flesh, demonstrating perfect wisdom. He, he, he pronounces this truth. And in pronouncing this truth, this judgment, this story, 
over these religious leaders who had hardened themselves in pride. They had hardened themselves in their selfishness. They had ingrained themselves in their own religion without any regard for God, without any regard of what God's will or his desire was. And they had set it up themselves. This is what it should be. This is what we want it to be. Again, they were challenging Jesus himself. They were challenging God himself. And in this story, they catch the drift that he is pronouncing judgment on them. They, they, they start to get it. Wait a second. He's telling the story about us. Now, this is an interesting dynamic or response that we see from these religious people. Now, please listen this morning. I'm just wondering how close we are to that same attitude of the Pharisees when it comes to the true church of Jesus Christ. I, I just wonder how close we come to that. Because versus realizing where they were missing it and realizing where, where they were falling short and saying, God, forgive us. You are right, your ways are perfect, and we have messed them up. We're wrong. We're hardened in our pride. We're set in our ways. We have a religion of comfort, of selfishness, of, uh, uh, of all these things that please us. I mean, we'll set one day aside for you. We'll give you a couple hours. We'll do, we'll, we'll do it the way that we want to do it and how it suits us in our 2017 life. That's how we'll do it, God. Versus saying, God, I'm sorry. If I put you in a box, if, 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 if I've told you what I can do for you versus surrendering all, if I've done that, I'm sorry, God. Many times we, we, we bow up our chest and, and, and we lift ourselves up and say, I, I'm a good Christian. I, I, don't, I, I mean, I look around and there's a lot of worse Christians than me. What do I need to change for? What, what do I need to alter what I'm doing? Why would I need to give more or serve more or, or, or have more of a mindset of eternity? And again, that's what these Pharisees did. Huh, who does he think he is? Calling us out? Like we're, we're the husbandmen. We're, we're killing his servants and, 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 and his son. They lifted themselves up in pride and they set themselves against the very son of God. And again, I wonder if we do anything similar. And we may not do that outwardly and, 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 and deliberately, per se. Like, this is how I'm going to treat Jesus Christ today. How dare he say something for me to change in my life? How dare he ask something more of me? We may not say that with our words, or even have that thought in our mind run through our mind, but through what we do and our response, even to his word, maybe that's what it looks like to him. God, I'm not going to do that. I don't have time for that. God, I mean, what else do you want from me? So I don't think those thoughts. But, but do, we, do, we, do we make decisions and live our lives that, that say those things to God? The Pharisees were, look, this guy's come on the scene. He's, he's busted our chops. He's, he's imposed upon our religion. He's trying to change everything that works for us. He's trying to turn it all upside down and, and, and make something completely different and uncomfortable for us. 
we need to get rid of him. We need to silence him and we need to get rid of him. Because if it goes any further and he grabs more people and pulls them along, then we are going to see, we are going to look like we're the bad ones. We're going to look like we're the ones that are so far away from God when we're supposed to be the religious people. We're supposed to be the ones, we're supposed to be the independent fundamental Baptists that are closer to God. He caught the drift that they were those husbandmen. Again, versus repenting and saying, God, I, I, I want to give you more of myself. I'm sorry if I've messed it up or made it something that it's not. There's every single one of us could be at that place this morning. Me, you, all of us. Say, God, I'm sorry if I've made being a member of your church, being a part of the body of Christ, being an ambassador of your kingdom, being one of your children. I'm sorry if I've made that more about what suits me and how that works in my life than what you've actually called me to be in your word. I think we could all could do that this morning or, or you could sit there and I could stand here and say, I don't think I need to change anything. <laughs> I will be the first to say and stand right here and say, there's a lot that I could change. There's a lot more that I could give to him. Everything. All. And, and woe to me if I ever get to a place that I think that I'm doing enough or giving enough or serving enough, and I'm okay with that. Woe to me. They puff themselves up in pride even more. They, 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 they harden themselves even more against the Son of God, and they continue to operate in their fleshly wisdom. Again, it's, it's, it's a juxtaposition. It's, it's one side on this extreme and the other side on the other extreme. It's here's absolute fleshly wisdom and here's absolute wisdom, godly wisdom. Jesus Christ, religious leaders. Polar opposites. They, Jesus is, is demonstrating perfect godly wisdom and they are exhibiting fleshly wisdom. Look what happened. They watched, they watched him and they sent forth spies in verse 20 which should feign themselves just, just men. So look, look what they're doing. They're devising a scheme, a plan against God himself, the Son of God. They're devising this against him like he's not knowing what's going on or what's even in their hearts before they think it. But this is what they do. They go out and they find some spies and they, they find these guys that are going to pretend to be righteous people, just men, it says. We've got to get these people that, that really seem to be righteous and just. And they might take hold of his words so that they can use what he's saying against them. They could twist him so that they might deliver him unto the power and the authority of the governor. And they asked him, say, Master, here we go. Here goes this scenario. Master, we've got a word for you, a question for you. We know that you sayest and, and, thou, and teachest rightly. And neither acceptest thou the person of any, but teachest the way of God truly. Listen to them. These guys were trying to catch him at his word, and then all of a sudden they turn around and are, 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 are boasting him, lifting him up. I mean, they're, they're what would we say, brown-nosing or something. They are, they, are, they are really, 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 tur they've turned the page in an instant. And I will say this, whenever that happens in our lives, be very careful because that happens. One minute somebody is, is, is trying to jab you in the back, and then the next minute they're, oh, wonderful. 
discretion. So they are, look, we know that you don't accept any person but the people that teach the, the true way of God. And, and, and you, you teach right, and, and, and we know that you're right. So we're going to ask you a question. Is it lawful for us to give tribute to Caesar or not? They, they thought they were so smart. <laughs> they thought they had trapped Jesus in a scenario that he was, this is what they were going to get him in. I mean, hey, how can we turn him against the, the, the government? How can we get him arrested and silenced? Oh, let's, let's do something. Let's, let's try to use his own righteousness against him. doesn't work like that. But they thought in fleshly wisdom or human wisdom that it would. So that, hey, uh, so do you think that we should uh, pay uh, taxes to, to Caesar or not? I mean, you're, you're from above and, you know, you're, you're, you're teaching rightly and you know God's ways and, and you only adhere to people who teach God's ways rightly. And so we, 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 we sincerely want to know, should we be given taxes to Caesar or not? But of course, verse 23, he perceived their craftiness and said unto them, why tempt ye me? I don't know about you, but I, I can't imagine having that question asked. You know, it, it's, it's a nerve-wracking thing whenever your boss asks you a question. Like they bring you in and say, why did you do this or, or, or why did this happen? And, and, and it may be perfectly fine, but there's just kind of a nervousness thing like, uh-oh. You know, <laughs> have I done something wrong? Did I do it wrong? Did I, you know, uh, just that thought like that. Or, or even an officer who we talked about this a couple weeks ago, pulls you over and stops, and the question they ask you a lot of times is, are you in a hurry to go somewhere? You know, <laughs> it's like, uh, this, this kind of a, a, a nauseating, just bringing you, into an, bringing you into an account, holding you accountable. Why are you doing this? But think about God Almighty, the authority that Jesus Christ had the power in his words and these guys were crafting this, this scenario to try to catch him in this. And, and he listens to their, their question. And he turns around and asks them, why are you tempting me? Why are you testing me? Why are you trying me? Why, why are you doing this? He knew what their motive was. He knew why they were doing that. But again, he was holding them accountable. Now, again, I don't know if you can put yourself in that situation. I've said this many times before when I was growing up. I didn't like to get in trouble. I mean, I, my, my dad could just pop his belt sometimes like, I'm done. I'm good, you know. Um, I, I, just, I just didn't like that. And so um, I, I can't imagine God holding you. And so I've shared this also before. One of the things that drives me in my life uh, to, to try to keep going. I'm not perfect, but why I try to keep going and serving the Lord is because I know there's something called the judgment seat of Christ lying ahead of me. I know I'm going to stand before God and I'm going to give an account. Not for the sins that I've done, that's already been paid for, but I'm going to give an account of the life that I've lived that he's given me. This amazing free life, the, the, the health, the, the, all the blessings, everything, I'm going to have to stand before him and give an account. And I can't imagine just a question Questions like, son, why didn't you do more? Oh, why didn't you give more? Where, where are those things now? And, and me say, they're gone, Lord. 
So why don't you give more? Why don't you serve more? Why don't you tell more? Why were you afraid here? I said I would be with you always, even to the end of the world. I, I, I don't, I don't want to hear those questions. I, I want to hear, well done. Good and faithful servant. Well done. You ran hard. You gave all. With every bit of energy and time that I gave you. Well done. Jesus asked them the question, why tempt you me? And then with perfect godly wisdom, look what he does. He says, show me a penny. Show me a penny. They give him a penny. Whose image and superscription hath it? Who, whose, face, whose face is on that, that penny right there? They answered and said, it's Caesar's. They, they knew that, but look at it for yourselves. And, and whose face is that? Caesar's. And he said to them, Render therefore under Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and unto God the things which be God's. And they could not take hold of his words and twist them. They couldn't use them against him. And they marveled at his answer and held their peace. Again, God's perfect wisdom exercised again. Point number two to finish this message is this. God's wisdom puts to silence the foolishness of man, or we could even call it this, man's wisdom. God's wisdom put, puts to silence man's wisdom. He didn't get mad or anything. He just peaceably exercised wisdom, which is, again, a characteristic of godly wisdom. It's peaceable, it's gentle, easy to be entreated. And he just simply said, then do what's right. If it's Caesar's, then give to Caesar's. But if it's God, give to God. So I think times there, there, we go through life and we think that we know how to better live our lives. What, to, what decisions that are best for us. To determine direction. And when we get to those places, we, we step into a very presumptuous place. A place that leads to disappointment. That often leads to defeat. And where Satan ultimately wants to take us to a place of destruction. I think I should say this. I think I should do this. I think this would serve them right. I think this would, would make a statement. I think this would prove a point. An example of godly wisdom was found in the Old Testament. The wisest man to live on this earth aside from Jesus Christ, King Solomon. In 1 Kings chapter 3, there were two prostitutes that had children. One of them had one first. The other one had, had one uh, soon thereafter. The story goes that one prostitute's child dies in the night, supposedly. She goes and gets the other living child, puts her dead child next to the other prostitute, takes the living child back with her and begins to nurse the child and, and pretend the next morning that it's just a tragedy, that this other lady's baby died in the night and that her baby is just fine. But the lady who had the living baby truly knew what had been done. They go to the king, tell him the scenario, and this is what happens in verse 23. Then, then said the king, the one saith, this is my son that liveth, and, and thy son is the dead. And the other saith, no, but thy son is the dead, and my son is the living. And the king said, here, bring me a sword. And they brought a sword to the king. 
And the king said, divide the living child into two and give half to the one and half to the other. Whoa, that may sound like a little fleshly wisdom right there. A little human wisdom. That's not a good idea, king. Let's not do that. But he knew what he was doing. Look what happens. Then spake the woman whose whose the living child was unto the king. For her bowels yearned upon her son. And she said, oh, my Lord, give her the living child and in no wise slay it. But the other said, let it be neither mine nor thine, but divide it. Divide the child. Think about this. I mean, what amazing wisdom. Whose child is it? Well, whose child, who would want to see that child live regardless? The true mother. So the king says, let's divide the baby. And the one who, who was actually the mother says, no, please don't. Just give her the child. Let the child live. She can take care of it. It's hers. And the one who, who had done this little scheme in the night said, yeah, that's a great idea. My child's already dead. Why does she deserve to have a child? Just divide it, and then we both won't have any children. That shows the heart. Then the king answered and said, Give her the living child, and in no wise slay it. She is the mother thereof. And all Israel heard of the judgment which the king had judged, and they feared the king because they saw that the wisdom of God was in him to do judgment. So the characteristics of man's wisdom are as follows. Man's wisdom displays itself and it has inside of it hastiness. It's hasty. It's emotionally driven. It's incontinent. And when we say that, we mean it's without self-control. Self-control in its, in its speech, in its attitude, in its actions. A lot of times when we see man's wisdom or fleshly wisdom, it's displayed like that. It doesn't have self-control. Man's wisdom is also full of selfishness and jelly. Uh, jelly. <laughs> jelly. It's full of jelly, too. Uh, <laughs> the bad kind. Um, jealousy and envy. Jealousy and envy. And matter of fact, it's driven by envy. It's also deceitful. And so I want to say this morning as we close, if your heart is holding these elements and you act in them, know that you're operating in fleshly wisdom. If these elements are in you, and if you've got to be an honest, do an honest evaluation when you're making a decision or when you're reacting to somebody, whatever the case may be, if these elements are present, know that you're going to be operating in fleshly wisdom, and the fruit of this is going to be seen. No matter what you try to look like, no matter if you try to put on that just act like the Pharisees try to present to uh, Jesus in their scenario, the truth is this. Our best effort and wisdom, our own wisdom, the best we can muster is foolishness to God. If God's wisdom could be mentioned at all with the word, word foolishness, that's what it would be compared to our wisdom which is impossible. So again, for us as humans to be able to grasp the wisdom of God is a phenomenal thing. 1 Corinthians chapter 125 says, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. In chapter three it says this, for the wisdom of, of this world is foolishness with God, for it is written, he taketh the wise in their own craftiness, and again, the Lord knoweth the thoughts of the wise that they are vain. 
Proverbs chapter 11, uh, the book of wisdom, if you will. Uh, practical daily live, uh, living, giving us wisdom in that verse uh, 12 of chapter 11. He that is void of wisdom despiseth or belittles his neighbor, but a man of understanding holdeth his peace. Proverbs 17, even a fool when he holdeth his peace is counted wise, and he that shutteth his lips is esteemed a man of understanding. Proverbs 14, 12, and chapter 16, verse 25, there's a way that seemeth right unto man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. There's a way that seems right unto man, man's wisdom, but the end are the ways of death. And finally, Proverbs 21, 2, every way of man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord pondereth the hearts. As our musicians make their way, our only hope to have a successful life in this world, please listen to that again, our only hope to have a successful life in this world. I don't know about you, but again, if somebody says, listen, okay, here, Kyle, here you go. Here's your only hope at having a successful life in this world. What is it? Having God's wisdom. That's the only hope. Now, ultimate success. The world, business, other people may think that you are a success. In our own eyes, we may think that we are a success. But one day, all of that's going to go away. This temporal world's going to go away. And then we have not just a million or a billion or a trillion, but eternity in God's eternal heaven, in God's eternal world. And what's going to matter is our success in his eyes, not in the world's or others in our own eyes. The only way to have that is to have God's wisdom. And let's be clear. Knowledge is not wisdom. The demons have knowledge. There's a lot of people they have a lot of biblical knowledge, but they don't use it. They don't exercise it. And that's the difference. I've taught this before, knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. Knowledge is gathering information or, or having information. You have to have knowledge to have understanding or wisdom. Understanding is the application of that knowledge, of the things you know, the possession of that knowledge. Understanding is putting those things into action. That's understanding. But wisdom... Wisdom is the absolute governance of every aspect of your life by that knowledge and understanding. It's the governor. It's the filter. It's what we have to use in order to truly have God's wisdom. Spurgeon said this, and I'm closing. It says, he said, wisdom is the right use of, of knowledge. To know is, is to not be wise. Many men know a great deal and are all the greater fools for it. There's no fool so great a fool as a knowing fool. But to know how to use knowledge is to have wisdom. I want to encourage you this morning. If you're not seeking God's wisdom in his word, if you're not asking God for his wisdom, if you're not desiring to have that successful life in God's eyes because you're using, you're possessing and using his wisdom, not man's wisdom, but his wisdom. If you're not doing that now, I urge you this morning, whether you sit there in that seat and, and talk to God about it or you come to this altar and talk to God about it. Ask him, God, I want your wisdom. We don't need to live in fear of, of messing our life up. God, I don't want to mess this up, but that's not how God wants us to live. That should be a thought in our life. I just want to please God. 
I, I don't want to mess it up because I want to please him. I want to have his wisdom and be a success in his eyes. And again, if you're here this morning and you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you've prayed a prayer maybe, you've gone to church maybe, you think that you're a good person maybe, um, you've, you've played religious games maybe, but you know in your heart you've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. I'm, I'm asking you this morning to come down here, let one of our ministers show you out of God's Word what it says, how you can be saved. And don't wait another day because that's the difference between eternity in heaven and hell. But I urge you to come. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you again for the, the opportunity to be in your word, to learn from you. God, thank you for the perfect example that you were as you walked this earth. But we can look to you and see how, how wise you were. Even in the face of a, a very stressful situation, in, in the face of ad adversity and, and adversaries, God, you displayed perfect wisdom. God, help us all to have that. Lord, I, I pray there's not a person in here that would be seeking after silver or gold, that would be living their life for riches or for prominence, that none of us would be living our lives like that, Lord. But we would see the value that is contained in your wisdom, and we would seek for your wisdom. We would search so that we can live a life that pleases you. That at the end of this life, when we do stand before you at the, at the judgment, we don't have to answer any questions in that account. But we could hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. Lord, help us to pursue the right things. Help us to pursue the worthy things. Help us to pursue you. And I pray you just move now in Jesus' name.